As sex workers, femmes, women, and queer folks, we're so often led to believe that we're not good enough or that we should be ashamed of who we are. Almost all of us know what it's like to have our wisdom, perspectives, and ideas dismissed. In our personal and public lives, many of us know how it feels to be routinely misunderstood, overlooked, sexualized, or a combination of all three. Stigma and systemic oppression make it harder than it should be for us to lead normal lives. We're often pressured to prove our worth in our careers, in our creative endeavors, and even in our closest relationships. The irony is that in general, sex workers are some of the coolest, smartest, funniest people you'll ever meet. My name's Lila. I'm a stripper, writer, musician, and anti-misogyny educator. I'm Erica, a body justice educator, pole dancer, tarot reader, and webcam model. I'm Ataraxia, a multidisciplinary cis worker and justice advocate specializing in Latin American culture and politics. And we, and we, and we are a Stripper's Guide Podcast. A Stripper's Guide Podcast. A Stripper's Guide Podcast. On this show, we combine our special areas of expertise to bridge the gap between the sex worker community and everyone else. We cover everything from intimate relationships and abuse recovery to gender politics and body justice and the larger social systems that make life so much harder than it needs to be for sex workers and people of marginalized genders. We do tackle some heady topics on this podcast, but don't worry. We also know how to keep you entertained. We are strippers after all. Hello again. This is Lila. I know you just heard from me last week, but I'm here again this week And before we begin, I want to offer a content warning that this episode deals with themes of violence against femmes and sex workers. This is another short episode because this is another reading from my new blog. I want to acknowledge that tomorrow, March 16th, is the two-year anniversary of the mass shooting in Georgia that targeted Asian femmes who were thought by the shooter to be sex workers. So this piece is available in written form, and that link is in the show description. It's also an excerpt from my upcoming book, and it's called Sex Workers, Canaries in the Coal Mine. From intimate partner violence to mass murder, sex workers aren't the only people who suffer the consequences of anti-sex worker bias. A note before we begin. Whorephobia is an important term to be familiar with because in the current cultural lexicon, it is often used to describe prejudices against sex workers. But it's also important to understand that this concept, like homophobia, is about hatred, not fear, as the word phobia suggests. It also presents a bias against people who do suffer from genuine phobias. For those reasons, I prefer the clunkier but more accurate term, anti-sex worker. I'd never date a stripper. They have no self-respect. Raise your hand if you've heard that one before. It's around 3.30 a.m. on April 6th, 2018. My shift just ended. I stuffed my fishnets, plastic stilettos, and a couple thousand bucks into my duffel bag. Exhausted but cash-happy, I stumble out of the club and into my car, where my abusive partner is waiting to drive me home. They pick a fight. That's just what they do when they're bored or I've been gone longer than a couple hours. They scream at me the whole way home and into our house, 
We've been together over a year, and my life has become an unpredictable hell. I am constantly being berated, insulted, physically harmed, and screamed at. They continue to dog me as we enter our home. To escape, and because I'm filthy with strip club grime, I close myself into the bathroom for a shower. As I undress, they carry on raging at me through the door. This time, in the disorienting haze of being attacked during the wee hours of the morning after a full shift at work, I have the clarity of mind to press record on my phone's audio feature. What I capture will be the only keepsake that still remains from that relationship. Bang. The bathroom door slams open as they force their way in. Shocked, I try to cover my naked body with a towel. My partner, fuming, yanks at my towel, trying to reveal my flesh. I resist. They demand. Oh, what, so everyone at work can see you naked but not me? The next 45 minutes is a deplorable mess of me sobbing on the dry tub floor, wearing nothing but the towel, begging them to please just let me shower and go to sleep, while they stand over me, scream a string of sexually degrading insults at me, and slap me in the head. Eventually, there came a moment in that relationship where I had to execute a major, dramatic, life-saving escape. After a particularly violent episode in late 2018, in which my partner attacked me, held me against my will, threatened me and themselves with a knife, stole my phone, credit cards, shoes, and purse, and strangled me to the point that I saw stars, I fled Boston and made an emergency move to New York. Anti-sex worker violence is a global issue. The following is a quote from Thierry Schaffhauser from The Guardian in 2010. Quote, Whorephobia can be defined as the fear or the hate of sex workers. It also embraces paternalistic attitudes that deem us a public nuisance, spreaders of disease, offenders against decency, or unskilled victims who need to be rescued. In its most violent form, whorephobia kills. Unquote. At the time of this writing, in most countries, including the United States, sex work is still criminalized or otherwise heavily legally regulated. As such, the legal and social systems that may partially protect some women, mostly affluent, cis, white, and non-sex working, from gendered violence, are stacked against sex workers who are the most susceptible to these violences, particularly BIPOC, immigrant, trans, disabled, illegal drug using, and street-based sex workers. These groups are the most vulnerable among us, and instead of receiving help, A sex worker reporting an assault or danger to their safety is far more likely to be met with arrest, prison, more violence, large fines, eviction, deportation, having their children taken away, and all the myriad complications that follow such devastating events, which often include being driven into increasingly more dangerous forms of sex work. Sex workers face more than average complications when seeking protection from partner or family violence, as well as an ongoing crisis of particularly high susceptibility to rape and murder from strangers, mostly police officers and male serial killers and mass murderers. These are state-created vulnerabilities to a culture of misogyny that already exists, and these vulnerabilities can and should be addressed with specific social safety nets centered around the self-determined needs of sex workers, which is the goal of the sex worker-led movement to fully decriminalize our industry across the world. Because of frequent inability to safely access legal or medical help, sex workers are often selected by violent clients and strangers who know they are more likely to get away with harming or killing us. 
But although violence against sex working people is acutely pronounced, it is not separate from epistemic violence against all marginalized genders. The problem is not sex work or any other industry. The problem is a global culture that simultaneously dehumanizes and commodifies femininity. I have seen the same old, crusty, jealous, infantile masculinity directed towards most of the femmes I've ever met, regardless of whether they earned a living shaking ass, teaching preschool, editing magazines, performing neurosurgery, or sucking dick. It is true that sex workers are subjected to social and legal systems that deliberately push us out of safety and into harm. But on an individual level, the safety of all femmes, queer people, and women often hinges on whether others perceive us as a slut. This played out tragically on March 16th, 2021, when an armed white man shot and killed eight people inside three Georgia massage parlors. Everyone targeted and nearly everyone killed were East Asian women who worked there. When he was arrested, the murderer claimed he was a sex addict whose addiction was at odds with his Christian beliefs. He told police that he targeted those women because he believed they were sex workers and he was trying to, quote, get rid of temptation. This travesty occurred at several important intersections. The murderer targeted these women because he believed them to be sex workers. He also targeted them specifically because they were Asian, and Western culture perpetuates stereotypes that Asian femmes are either commercial sex workers, sexually subservient, and or available for domination by Western men. Our global culture defaults to a standard of masculinity so fragile that it cannot withstand the full emotional landscape of being human, which inevitably includes difficult, disappointing, and painful terrain. Unable to bear discomfort, this version of masculinity forcefully tries to alter the shape of the world around itself to better suit its own grandiose sense of entitlement. I want to shout out a few people and organizations. First is Dr. Connie Wun, who is a Vietnamese-American activist and former sex worker. She's also the co-founder of the organization AAPI Women Lead, and she's featured on an episode of A Stripper's Guide podcast that I have linked here in the show description. That episode is called No Feminism Without Asian Sex Workers. I also want to highlight the organization Red Canary Song which is an organization comprised of Asian sex workers and immigrants, and their mission is to protect sex working and migrant populations. And Dr. Rhea Ashley Hoskin, who is a femme theorist and femme research scholar doing some Oh, I just heard my cat meow. Hopefully you heard it too. And do it, uh, she does some really, she's doing some really incredible um, cutting edge uh, research and producing some amazing work around the concepts of femme identity and anti-femme bias. Um, she recently appeared here on the podcast and I will link her episode in the show description below as well. And lastly, the organization Decriminalized Sex Work, which works tirelessly to do exactly what the name of the organization says, um, which is to fully decriminalize sex work um, across the globe. And they have appeared here on the show as well, so I'm going to link their episode here too. Thanks again for being here. 
I really encourage you to share this episode far and wide and to please keep talking about what happened at the massage parlors in Georgia on March 16th, 2021, because it is at the nexus of so much. It's at the nexus of global violence against women and femmes, against femmes of color, against Asian femmes in particular, uh, against Asian people in particular, and against sex workers, against immigrants. What happened was so, so significant in so many ways, and it really pains me to see how quickly it fell out of sort of the mainstream consciousness. So I really encourage you to keep having these conversations and keep integrating when you talk about gender-based violence, when you talk about liberation, when you have conversations about the future of humanity in your heart or out loud with other people. I encourage you to please always be thinking about the ways that we must be including sex workers and femmes of color specifically and deliberately in these conversations. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with full episodes again. Have a wonderful week and stay safe out there. I love you.